Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat and the Pittsburgh Penguins, back on a winning streak. This is a streaky team, probably the streakiest team in the National Hockey League. Now, they are up two wins in a row after a crazy game against the Vancouver Canucks at PPG Paints Arena. Horwat, do you agree with what I said on Tuesday whenever I tweeted out that no matter when it is, no matter how good these teams are, Canucks, Penguins, at the old paint bucket, always provides fireworks. For some reason, it does. It shouldn't. It really shouldn't. really shouldn't. Um, There was something weird in the air about that game, though, that the... The Penguins were pushing early, before Vancouver even scored a goal. There was a couple of good opportunities for the Penguins. It Vancouver just happened to score their first one um, right after a couple of big saves from Spencer Martin. One of those unfortunate, hey, we're, ha- we got, we're gaining the momentum, we're gaining the momentum, and the first puck's in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. It, it's That's never an easy thing to climb back from, let alone letting that happen two more times, because yet again, the Penguins had the momentum the entire time, the entire game. It was weird. That's what felt. That's what made the first seven minutes or so just feel so strange because the Penguins were the team that was pushing, mm-hmm. uh, and yet giving up three goals. And you know, maybe you, maybe there was some bad play in, uh, here and there from other people aside from Casey to Smith, but um, it was it was interesting watching them dominate play, but yet be down three nothing. And to a lot of it, it was you could chalk it up to well, that's hockey. I would, except for the losing streak that we are very close to still, and the mm-hmm. one that we had not too long ago. It felt uh, very uh, demoralizing, mm. but then you realize the Penguins were, go- were down 3 nothing, but still looking really good. Yeah. And then able to climb all the way back into it before the first period even ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, I needed a beer in the middle of the game. It was... $17 beer. Yeah, that's... <laughs> But, yeah, no, it was it was quite a fun game overall, though. Mm-hmm. When you come home from a long road trip like that, you want to get out to a quick start. And I think you talked to a couple of the players earlier in the day after the morning skate, and they're saying, yeah, we're, we're happy to be home. We're ready to, you know, feed off the energy of the crowd. And, boy, was the crowd taken out of it right off the jump. And, and realistically, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the way that they played as a team – should have won that game a lot easier. It should have been 5-2, to two, maybe even 5-1 to one, uh, at the end of that game. But coin flip Casey just came up on the wrong side on, on Tuesday. I, I don't know if you listened to my Penguins to go, but I had a lot of things to say about Casey to Smith. But he was taken out in the first period, chased with a negative two point, I believe like three goal save above expected, which means they were expected to score l- maybe a goal. And he gave up three in the first seven minutes of play on five shots, including a really, really bad one to Quinn Hughes, which was the uh, straw that broke the camel's back, as it were, and and put in Dustin Tokarski. But he steps in, Penguins' debut. I thought he stabilized the net for them, as a lot of sometimes goaltending changes do. Uh, Not to say that, listen, I, I know a lot of people are out there saying, hey, he should be the backup, but... Let's wait and see a little bit more of Tokarski before we uh, bury DeSmith altogether because, listen, that is just who Casey DeSmith is. He'll show up one day and he'll be, hey, maybe this guy could be a starter at this level. And he'll show up other days and you'll say, maybe he should be playing with Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, 
I'd be. I want to. I mean, Takarski's going to get a start. I think we have a back to back coming up. Our next two games are Friday, Saturday, uh, against Winnipeg and Carolina, two non slouches. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have to step up the way that we just did in the back half of against Vancouver because you have to figure, yeah, Dustin Tokarski made big saves. He made um, that huge save on Patterson on that break. He made that save without a glove. He made big time, big important uh, stops. But look at the numbers. He didn't face many shots. No. I forget the exact numbers now. Uh, but he didn't face too many. Only 19? He only play, faced 19 shots. That's not enough, to be honest, even through two periods, mm. uh, to make anyone feel comfortable in putting him in as a starter right away. Now, I get he's been in both the NHL and the AHL for a long time, um, but it's still a new situation, still new surroundings. We at least know that we can have confidence in him and that the defense can play in front of him. That is going to be the most important part, regardless of who is in net. Mm-hmm. Is that defense has to make sure they're not letting shots through either. Yeah, I mentioned it during the game on Twitter. I said, hey, listen, he's not catching the puck with two hands, and for that, I commend him and I thank him, because uh, that always gave me anxiety about the past uh, with Penguins third-string goaltenders, and you know who I'm talking about. Cough, cough. Louis Domingue. Um, but no, I, I thought he was pretty steady in net. I think he did what needed to be done. And listen, I always say, and I said it on yesterday's Penguins to go, a backup goaltender needs to give your team a chance to win the game. And he gave the Penguins a chance to win the game on Tuesday. Unfortunately for Casey Smith, he's no longer the team's backup goaltender, but he's currently slotted in as the starter. So we need a little bit more from him. But let's talk about the rest of the game because a lot of the Pittsburgh Penguins had really good performances especially the Stars. The top six played particularly well against this Vancouver Canucks team. And Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin both combined to score a goal. Malkin finished with two goals and four points on the evening, bringing the Penguins in this status courtesy of, I believe, Sportsnet is where I saw it first. Penguins are 99-9-5 all time when 87 and 71 light the lamp. One of the best dynamic duos in history Honestly, they might go down as the best duo and trio if you throw Chris Letang in there when it comes to games played together, points together, and really, you know, they're up there with Stanley Cups together as well. Um, What did you see from Crosby and Malkin kind of just blowing up on the score sheet against the Vancouver Canucks? I think Crosby, I mean, when do we start having the discussion of uh, is his MVP race back on? Because there was a couple of games there where it slipped away entirely almost because... Um, not that, not that, you know, Crosby's been not getting enough attention from people outside of Pittsburgh, but, uh, when you go on little slumps like that, you're not going to get it. Uh, but it is Sidney Crosby and the attention is still there. Now it's five points in the last three games and it's trending back into his direction. Uh, but I thought for Malkin though, I mean, four points two two huge goals and then, um, huge shot to help out for Raquel's goal that's what he needs to get back to as well as just firing the puck on the power play and being as dom- as dominant as he was it was a dominating game but not as gallopy you know how mm-hmm. you like to say he has his gallop he didn't he didn't have his gallop per se but you can see there was drive in his game mm-hmm. um and there always has he's had drive in his game all season and 
it was one of those games where he got rewarded for it with those four points uh, and huge no, and huge help on the power play as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, with Evgeny Malkin, I think when you can see him at his game, I, I've always mentioned there's times he has that gallop and he's going and you know that he just has something in him. But even on Tuesday, you saw him more involved defensively. And when you see that as well, that's when you know Evgeny Malkin is on his game. People will come out and they'll they'll bash Evgeny Malkin for his defensive play, but he's a pretty solid defensive player when he wants to be. The problem is, in this system, it demands that you play defensively the entire time. That's just not who Evgeny Malkin is. He's not built that way. But because of his pure talent, he's on this roster. Because of his pure talent, he can come out, and even when he's not playing his best defensively, he can produce offensively, and he can be a factor for your team, which is why he was re-signed to that four-year contract. But I think one of the things you have to take notice of is when he wants to be, Evgeny Malkin can also be a defensive force. He's back. He's helping out his defensemen. He's stealing pucks. We saw it a couple games ago when he made a really good defensive play to go in on the breakaway against the New Jersey Devils, and he went in and does what he does best, and he finished it, and he put the puck top shelf. He was doing that again on Tuesday against the Canucks. And then, as you mentioned, and as a lot of people also mentioned on Twitter, the man is really the engine of the power play. If he is going, the power play is unstoppable. If he's not going, they're fighting uphill. So he was on his game, and so was the power play. Nice to see that get back into uh, into the score sheet and onto the column of actually converting chances. It was needed. It was much needed. Now it's a matter of remaining... Uh, and and sustaining that consistency because, man, going over twenty one in four games, it was like True. two for twenty six, and during the streak or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, not ideal. Clearly, this power play can be game changers. They proved it yet again against Vancouver. Um, I mean, when you're down three nothing and your first goal comes on a five on three, you got that's something you have to capitalize on. You don't capitalize on that five on three, fans are leaving after the first period. I was worried. I saw yeah. that and I was like, oh, if they do not score on this five on three, this game could be over already. Obviously, they were down three to nothing at the time, too. You don't have to score on both of them. You don't mm-hmm. have to score on both on both penalties. It'd be nice to be a huge help, but get one of them and get the first one, maybe at least. Or fans are like I said, fans are going to dip. They're gone. It was a weak night. Um, it, it was cold. I was cold. And you're coming out of a streak that, you know, yeah, you're one game removed from. But it's they, the fans don't want to see that nonsense from you. Mm-hmm. You had to score there to save quite a lot of the game and quite a lot of your fan base, and they did. So it's not all a wash, but it built back into that three goal, you know, coming back from the three goal deficit, and that's no no less coming out of no practice and a travel day to Montreal. Yeah, that's a big emotional weekend there, or a couple of days there. Uh, tack on going down three nothing early. This team's got guts sometimes. They have to show it a little more often, but they do. Yeah, they they ended up pulling it out in the end, and really the underlying numbers were impressive for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But it was also we mentioned the star stepped up. It wasn't just Crosby and Malkin. Ricard Raquel adds a goal where it looked like it might have just hit him and then fallen at his feet. Picks up the garbage, puts it in. Power play goal. Nice to see from Ricky Racks. And Jason Zucker, another goal. A nice little knuckle puck there in honor of uh, baseball being, I don't know, like 75 days away. I don't, I don't know. Knuckle puck throws in the uh, the old softy, and that's two goals in two games for Jason Zucker. And can we just talk about Zucker for one minute? Because I saw 
Rob Rossi put out an article. I just saw Josh Joey's tweet first. And Josh Joey, of course, of The Athletic, said on Twitter, maybe he makes more money currently than you'd like, but Jason Zucker deserves a contract offer from the Penguins before he becomes a UFA. Perfect fit for the system, fast, physical, and works his ass off. And honestly, I could not agree more uh, with what Yoey said. And then, of course, if you want more elaboration from the athletic staff, like I mentioned, Rob Rossi has a nice article out on it. And when you look at the way Jason Zucker has played this year, because I've always tried to hold out for Jason Zucker, I feel like. He's struggled with injuries the past two seasons. He looked really good in that first little sample size when he came over. But this is what we expected of Jason Zucker when he was traded for Kalen Addison and a first, and, and Alex Galchenyak. Um, but this is what was expected from Jason Zucker. I, I think the Penguins, I agree, should look into re-signing him. I know a lot of people are saying, listen, this team is old enough, and we are locked into basically everyone else on the top six. Maybe you try getting some new blood up there, but why would you? In my opinion, he has been the most consistent winger for the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. And that's saying a lot considering the inconsistencies that he has had over his tenure here in Pittsburgh because he always brings that level of play. He's almost never invisible on the ice for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And now he's on a 20-goal pace, which is exactly what the Pittsburgh Penguins acquired him to do. Be a 20-25 to 25 goal scorer, be physical, force the issue on the forecheck, and turn things into the direction of the Pittsburgh Penguins every single time he's out there on the ice. He's done that so far this season alongside of getting Malkin. Yeah, yeah, no, he totally has. It's, it, the, it, there is a fair conversation, a question to be had about him you know, signing a new deal and coming back next season, even at his age. And I think it's always a fair conversation to have mm-hmm. because that's when the money starts talking and you start to discuss term price tag what does that all look like Mm -hmm. um but for now i think yeah he's totally earning himself a new contract of sorts with this team because it's exactly what we want now Mm -hmm. the guy doesn't take a shift off he's going a thousand miles a minute every time and you know after his last two seasons it's finally starting to find the back he's starting to he's finally starting to find the back of the net again yeah He's starting to look much better. He's, you know, whenever the second power play unit's going, he's usually part of it. Um, and he's got good drive. This, we saw it in the playoffs last year. We know the guy doesn't quit, and now we're seeing it fully healthy. We're seeing it kind of come through for him. Um, contract discussions are something to have later, but I think for now, yeah, we can all agree that. Uh, he does deserve something here. Mm-hmm. And looking at that contract, right now he's in the final year of a deal that pays him $5.5 million for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't think you re-sign him to that. If you're going to re-sign him, it's going to have to be uh, similar to what we saw from Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, whereas, hey, you're taking less money, but you're staying with this group. Um, it seems like Jason Zucker is a locker room guy. It seems like Jason Zucker um, loves to play in Pittsburgh. Um, but again, that's what it seems like from the outside. You, you never know truly, but it seems like he's a real big fixture uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I enjoy watching him play hockey for one. I think he's one of the more physical players on the Penguins, as we've mentioned, which sometimes I'd like to see that a little bit. We saw it on Tuesday where he absolutely lit up Connor Garland. I almost said Darius Garland. That's incorrect. Uh, But Connor Garland, he just completely blew him up in the neutral zone, was easily the subway sandwich of the game, which is what I will always call it. Uh, But no, looking at what that contract could look like, 
I don't want to see them sign a, a 31-year-old to a five-year deal again. We, we saw that all last, last offseason, where the 30-plus-year-olds aren't getting uh, veteran contracts. They're getting actual longer contracts, but that might be what he's looking for. I mean, he it, depending on what he wants, does he want to win a Stanley Cup or does he want to cash out on a really good season late in his career? Because he might be looking for that one last big Brian Rust contract where it's, hey, it's five years, keeps me in the same spot for a while, and kind of winds my career down. Or would he be willing to take a two-year deal? Because I think that would be a perfect bridge there for Zucker, which would line him right up with Sidney Crosby's remainder of his current contract. That would be a good little deal. I, it, we just know contract talks are always hard, especially yeah. when if they happen in the offseason, they're always a little more bloated. It's rare that you see a free agent sign and go for two years. Uh, I mean, they usually have to already be older, so that one will depend. But um, one thing I'll say to it is don't make sure, if possible, if at all possible, make sure there's not a clause strapped to it. I mean, everyone and their mother is getting no trade, no move, mm-hmm. modifieds these days. It's hard to roll through a cap friendly, see a player that might be an option to go, oh, look, there's an open trade. Eh, never mind. There's yeah trade clause attached to it so it becomes a little more difficult yeah if at all possible that's what i'm saying you know try and get something that's a little easier to move if you need to because of the hard miles he's putting on mm-hmm. the age that he's going to be at and possibly the, the price because you just don't know right now what he's looking for yeah um and if you need to dump it off you got to dump it off so yeah i think two years sounds perfect but mm-hmm. Again, that's rare. Those are rare. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, and we'll, we'll finish on this, and then we'll cut to our next segment where we talk about potential return of a Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman, which will be huge for the lineup. But let me finish with this, Warwatt. If the Pittsburgh Penguins announced that Jason Zucker had been signed for two years, $3.75 million with a full no-move clause, would you be okay with that? See, you, you sweetened it by saying it's two years at three seven five. Mm-hmm. It's a little better. You know why I say that, right? It's the contract Jeff Carter signed last last season. Difference is, Jeff Carter's 37. Yeah, he's 37, but also, uh, you also have to throw and he plays center, where Jason Zucker doesn't. But also, Jason Zucker produces more as a top six winger. I would take, if Jason Zucker signed to the Jeff Carter contract, I would take it. The only problem is Jeff Carter is currently signed to that contract and doesn't deserve it, right? Yeah, it, and, and because it's Jeff Carter, there's... And Brian Hextall, there just seems to be something there. Everyone keeps talking about a trade for Jeff Carter. It's not happening. No. I mean, they're not, no. no. <laughs> I, was about to, nope. I was trying to think of like a like something else to say to kind of like combat that. There's nothing to combat that. You know, there's, since, there's probably not one happening. Yeah, ever since we traded for him, there was talks of he's not going anywhere. He's going to retire here or, or if we fire Hextall early or wherever Hextall goes, because mm-hmm. Jeff Carter didn't want to get traded out of L.A. He got traded out of L.A. because his buddy Brian Hextall took over the front office of the Penguins. Ron. And... Are you purposely doing that? Oh, shoot. <laughs> I was about to say, that's like a, a morphed Pittsburgh Penguins front office, Brian Burke, Ron Hextall combination. But then I remember Brian Hextall's also a real person. Yeah. Uh, yes, Ron Hextall... <laughs> Uh, now I need to, like, double-check my last three days. Anyway. <laughs> um, yes, Hextall in the front. That's his buddy Ron Hextall in the front office. Mm-hmm. And not only did he... Because you have to remember all of the things that have happened with Hextall and the Penguins. Hextall, Carter, and the Penguins ever since. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he was protected from the uh, protected from the draft lottery from the expansion, expansion. draft. Yeah. Given a two-year deal with a full no move, and pretty much guaranteed he'd retire here. And I think the protections, the big one that we're all forgetting about, happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's not going anywhere. No. Because I guarantee, if Hextall didn't give him the promise of staying there, because Carter didn't want to move, he said he would rather retire than get traded again. Mm-hmm. Got traded again, he's still playing. Hextall gave him all kinds of promises that he has to hold to. Yeah. We're locked in with Jeff Carter, guys. Get used to it. At least we're looking to experiment with him on the wing. That's a good sign. That's a good start. We can get a new 3C somewhere. But again, those are talks for down the line. I, it's if To anyone saying Jeff Carter's uh, getting traded, no, he's not. Oh, he is not. Uh, it, it would be a surprise to most if Jeff Carter was traded from the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, could a Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman be coming back into the lineup as early as this weekend? We'll talk about that right after this quick break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. And if you, you want to be a sponsor, just reach out at Nick underscore Berlansky at Tip of the Iceberg podcast and uh, we'll get something figured out. We'll get something figured out. Um, looking at you, Pittsburgh Clothing Company. Um, but could a defenseman be coming back this weekend? We both love that company, by the way. It's literally no shade. Um could a Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman be coming back this weekend? Look at the moves that happened on Wednesday with the roster. The Penguins send Mark Freeman back to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins of the AHL and concurrently place Ryan Paling and Tristan Jari on the IR retroactive to, of course, when they first popped up on the injury report. Horwath, what that made me first think of is, okay, Friedman was currently stashed in as the seventh defenseman on the Pittsburgh Penguins. They don't have any other injuries on the forward side that we know of since Tuesday. Could this mean that a Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman is set to return? We'll know more today, of course, uh, with Pittsburgh Penguins practice, and you will be there to report it first. But how important would a return of either Chris Letang, who was originally day-to-day and I believe has missed the last week, uh, Chris Letang, who was day-to-day with a lower body injury, or Jeff Petrie, who... As of right now, we're unclear of his status, but is skating with an upper body injury. How big would either of their returns be for this Pittsburgh Penguins lineup? Oh, huge. They'd stabilize uh, the power play. Let's start there. You know, yeah, they'd go back to their position. I mean, yeah, regardless of it's uh, whichever one it is, they'd go back to manning the first line right side. But more importantly, almost they're going to stabilize the power play because while Ty Smith has stepped in nicely and has... Um, improved with every game that passes uh it's not his position it's just not it's gonna be petries or Latangs, whichever one returns i'm assuming it'll be Latang, by the way because petrie you got other moves need to be made still mm-hmm. cat reasons so i think uh chris Latang is 
the more likely person to come back. So, yeah, it's, it stabilizes the first power play unit. Uh, Ty Smith moves to the second, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh, maybe you get Jeff Carter off that damn unit, and you got two defensemen down there with P.O. and Ty Smith, who worked to, I would assume, worked together. It's, oh, no, they did not work together in the AHL. I got to get used to this. Yeah, but it stabilizes the first power place, adds an extra defenseman with the, some good offensive firepower to the second. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I see coming from this. Yeah, I, I completely agree. When you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins' right side right now, it is debilitated with injuries. When you have two players that make up the majority of your salary on that defensive unit, there's a reason they get paid that much, and it's because they're the two best defensemen on the team when they're fully healthy and when they're playing to their potential. So you need somebody like that back. It also allows a guy like Jan Ruda to be pushed down in the lineup back into a more a role that he's more comfortable with. It also gives Ty Smith potentially an opportunity to go up against lesser talent where he's already uh, performing at a really high level, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But if it's Chris Letang, the Penguins obviously are better with Chris Letang on the ice. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, and if they do try to tell you otherwise, they're, they're just not sure of what hockey is at this point in their, their life. Um, and if it's Jeff Petrie... Let's not forget that Petrie Pedersen, I don't know if that's going to be the the pairing whenever everybody gets healthy, but it is such a good pairing. And I've said it so many times, so I don't need to dive into it again. But that is one of the best pairings in the National Hockey League this season when they're playing together. Um, I wouldn't hate to see that be put that back together and, and see P.O. Joseph with Chris Letang. But we've talked about this um, when fully healthy ad nauseum. Regardless of who it is, It is a massive boost to the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup. We've seen them struggle with defense over the past week that they've both been out. They need these guys back in the lineup and to get one, let alone both back in the next, you know, couple weeks would be huge for this team, especially considering Tristan Jari is still going to be out. It looks like for maybe a week, maybe a little longer. He's day to day. But as Mike Sullivan said on Tuesday, it's not something where he can play today or tomorrow, but he is certainly not a longer-term injury. And that's the that's a big bonus. It's not longer-term. One of Those invisible injuries are hard to get to deal They're with. They're scary, man. Yeah, and the fact that he's skating already and the fact that he was only dumped to IR with a retroactive date, by the way, of when it happened, and that's a good bonus because that means literally if he's ready to go Friday, Saturday, he's not going to be. But if he was to be he's good mm-hmm. he's safe he can return at any point now him and palin can just come back at any point um i would assume the ir moves is to free up roster positions nonsense stuff that back-end stuff but the fact that tristan jari shouldn't be out long term is a huge help for the penguins lineup for that goaltending i mean mm-hmm. we've <laughs> dustin Tukarski stepped up nicely but man it's not what you expect every day yeah, that's a Band-Aid on a leak right there. There's eventually, there's the leak's going to keep coming through. Uh, you need Tristan Jari back in this lineup. If you want to climb up that Metropolitan Division, which, hey, shout out to the Philadelphia Flyers. They got a nice win over the Washington Capitals yesterday. Travis Konechny would be a great addition to any team, honestly, um, if the Flyers are looking to move him, which he has two years left on his contract. I highly doubt it. But uh, speaking of defense, if we see Latang or Petrie, you say it's probably Latang if, if one or the other ends up coming back. We'll see later today at practice. But if either of them come back, Ty Smith needs to remain in this lineup for a little bit longer at least, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. There's harder 
moves to make if it's Ty Smith coming, staying in and Jeff Petrie coming back. But regardless, I think Ty Smith has definitely earned his position uh, in this lineup. He's he's earned the opportunity to at least play on his side of the ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Guys played five games here. All five of them have been on his off wing. Mm-hmm. He's at least earned the chance to give to be given a chance on his proper side and seeing what he can do in a different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I was trying to run down def- defensive options for a couple days now, a couple weeks now, a couple months now. Um, a left side that goes, I mean, fantasy land here for now, but a left side that goes Joseph Pedersen Smith, uh, you know, I don't hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you got to do some maneuvering that involves taking Brian Dumoulin out of this lineup somehow. Uh, but it's definitely very possible because then that makes your right side about as solid as it's ever been in mm-hmm. Latang, uh, Petrie, and Ruda. So there's your defense. That's the way I'd like to see it. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. When Ty Swift was called up, he was essentially looked at as the ninth defenseman on the Pittsburgh Penguins because he was called up after Mark Friedman. Yeah, It took another injury for him to get called up. But now that Mark Friedman's been sent down, considering what we've seen from Ty Smith, I think the organization has moved him up on their organizational depth chart above Friedman. Also, I would say that he's probably above Chad Ruweedle, considering where he's playing in the lineup. Because mm-hmm. he's playing on his off wing above Chad Ruweedle with a worse defenseman in uh, Brian Dumlin. And stabilizing him. And st- Oh my god, more than stabilizing him, he is pulling performance out of Brian Dumlin. The numbers, according to Natural Statric, I have them down here because it's ridiculous. Five game sample size. But consider, think about how bad Brian Dumlin has been this season. Think about the defenseman he's played with this season. Again, talked about it Tuesday on Penguins to Go. But Dumlin could not be stabilized by Chris Letang. He could not be stabilized by Jan Ruda, who is a defensive defenseman. Like, who's considered the defensive defenseman on the right side there. The guy that's going to really solely focus on their own end. But with Ty Smith, he has 63.5% of the shot attempts at 5.5 and 5. 66% of the expected goals for, and 62% of the scoring chances. This has been the Penguins' best defense pairing over the past five games. And think about what we've always said. There was a, a show, I believe it was in December, we said, oh, you know what? They're demoting Dumoulin for a reason because he has the most goals allowed than anybody else in the National Hockey League. In the past five games... Dumlin and Smith went on the ice together at five on five, which has been a lot of a lot of the time. Zero goals. Zero in five games. Ty Smith is not a defensive defenseman, but what he does stabilizes Brian Dumlin and allows him to play closer to what we expect from Brian Dumlin and has turned Dumlin into a good defenseman. My only hope is that he didn't turn Dumlin into a good defenseman at his own expense now that they're going to say, hey, look at Dumlin. He's performing better. We don't need Ty Smith in the lineup. We need uh, Brian Dumlin. But I think Ty Smith, when you look at the numbers like that, and listen, these numbers are are available to the, the powers that be in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. I think they look at this and they say, listen, not only is Ty Smith an offensive powerhouse when it comes to carrying the puck out of the zone, when it comes to offensive potential, when it comes to stepping up in the rush, but he's really helping out one of our biggest struggling defensemen of the season. I think there needs to be something to take into consideration that he is probably their sixth best defenseman when you look at the organizational depth chart. 
and he deserves to be in that lineup. And I think that, honestly, him and Jan Ruda would be a really good pairing. I think so, too. <clears throat> I think it'd be a very good pairing, especially for the third set there. Um, I mean, Ty Smith is he's a good young player, but he's got the future ahead of him. We don't have to yeah, force true. him up the lineup yet. You don't have we to. don't yeah. have to. I mean, we're... I mean, the same goes for P.O. Joseph, but we're still saying, but we're at the point of put him with the first, in the first line because we don't have the greatest of options otherwise, and we want to see Patterson and Petrie stick together. Um, so there's that little caveat, but mm. we know Ty Smith has the future here. We know that we can hang on to him. I mean, the fact that he started the season off in the minors is does it doesn't hurt his uh, performance in the league, but it does help. Um, the fact that he's an RFA at the end of the year looking for a new contract. Do mm-hmm. you say, hey, you started your season in the minors, we didn't see as much of what you could do in the NHL? Well, there you go. You bumped his price down a little bit. Yeah. Business, baby. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I, we have a lot of faith in the kid. We know he's going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. The Penguins are aware that he can be something in the future, so you don't have to force him all the way up the lineup just yet. Yeah, you, know, you stick him on that third line, um, <laughs> but you also know you have faith in him. He's he's he can man the second power play unit with Pio Joseph even, and you've seen how much confidence this team has him. He's led the team in minutes mm-hmm. once or twice already. That's a rare thing in five games or less, um, and that's also excluding the Winter Classic game where we played with seven defensemen. I think he only played ten. Yeah, uh, but that happens. This team has faith in him. First game in, all right, you're manning the first power play unit. <laughs> Welcome to the team. Yeah. Yeah, it's – this team has faith in him. I hope he gets to stay in the – stay in the stay at the NHL roster when it's all said and done here. It's, mm-hmm. But it's going to be tough. Other moves need to be made, and they need to be made, made quickly. Yeah, and, and we can get into this more on a different day, but I, I mentioned that Smith Dumoulin has been probably the best um, analytically defensive pairing the Penguins have had over the past five games – Unfortunately, one of the worst, and, and I said this whenever they made that pairing for the first time, I said, you know, Joseph Ruweedle, I'm excited to see what that can do. It has done nothing. It has been bad. Um, it, it has been a struggle bus of a, of a stretch for, for those two, and it's it, it kind of makes you question, hey, yeah, do we really throw P.O. Joseph up there? Is it his struggling performance? Is it just that these two don't mesh and it doesn't work well at the NHL level? I don't know, um, but those two are currently struggling to uh, put out some positive results on the back end. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're just going to close this out with a nice little game of Name That Stat Line. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We haven't played this in a while, but you know, with the Penguins playing on Tuesday, crazy game, but also having two days off before that, having two days or a day off after that with no practice. Uh, let's just get into this. Um, it's a game of name that stat line, and for the uninitiated, it is where I bring up a stat line. Nick Horwath on the other side of me tries to guess which player I'm discussing. Sometimes we go back into the history. Sometimes we go into the previous season. Sometimes we just jump around all together. Uh, but this time, we're going to look at stat lines for players projected out the rest of the season. What they're on pace to do 
on this current team. Okay? So basically, I'll tell you what they're on pace to be. Horwat has three guesses to see whether or not it's right, and you can play along at home. Uh, and it's also going to be a nice conversation about where people are currently with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's going to be tough because I'm not good at projections. <laughs> well, this first one, he, this man is on pace to score 29 goals this season, finish with 51 assists, and come just shy of a point per game with 80 points. Horwat, can you name that stat line of that Pittsburgh Penguin? Is it Evgeny Malkin? It is correct. That is Evgeny Malkin, who is on pace to be just shy of that 82-point-per-game pace. Uh, but he's currently, that four-point game has gotten him right back up into the 80. So we'll, we'll end up being able to see what he's able to do going forward after he had a little bit of a cold streak, as did the rest of the top six for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But currently, Evgeny Malkin has 14 goals, 25 assists for 39 points in 40 games this season. And like we mentioned, on pace for 80 points. I've loved everything I've seen from Evgeny Malkin this season. Uh, I know a lot of people were a little wary of giving him a four-year deal, but hey, this season, no issues with that whatsoever because he has been an absolute ball of fire for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the reason that they have a lot of wins, I don't know if the NHL has wins above replacement. I think they do somewhere, maybe uh, Jay Fresh player cards, uh, but I would imagine that he has a lot of wins above replacement. He's throwing a nice game out there. Yeah. Uh, not a perfect game, but, you know, he's giving you a, a good start. Quality start. Seven innings. Maybe two runs scored. Better than anything the Pirates are going to do this year. Rich Hill, baby. And Vince Velasquez. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, no. Evgeny <laughs> Malkin has been really good. Yeah, that depressed me a little bit, too. Uh, opening day. Two months away. Uh, two and a half. But uh, this next stat line. Let's stay in hockey because it's less depressing. Uh, this next stat line. This player is going to score 21 goals if he stays on this current pace, finish with 35 assists, and score 56 points. A healthy amount uh, for this player that has not hit that mark with the Pittsburgh Penguins yet in his tenure. 21 goals, 35 assists, 56 points. Horwat, can you name that stat line? So the fact that we're at game 40 is really helping me out here. I just pretty much have to why cut that in half and figure out who's that. Jason Zucker. That is Jason Zucker. Are you looking at the current stats right now? No, but okay, I... Good. Just recalling that Malkin's just shy of a point per game, and that little hint on the last one helped. Mm -hmm. And you saying he hasn't hit this before. Plus, I think Zucker just scored his tenth. He did last the other night. All right, he scored his ninth on what was the game before that? I can't remember who they played, but the last game of the road trip uh, against the Arizona Coyotes, he had a beautiful goal where he crossed uh, across the net front, put it top shelf, and then of course we talked about the knuckle puck goal that he scored on Tuesday. But yeah, he's on pace for 21 goals, uh, and if. I told you that at the beginning of the season. Hey, Jason Zucker's going to give you 21. You'd say, yeah, that's fair. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. After what we've had the last two seasons, yes. Yeah, and not to mention all the other intangibles that he brings to the game. This one is going to be pretty hard. Horwat, very rarely do you go three for three without missing a guess. <laughs> uh, but this one's going to be a little bit more difficult. Went into the well a little bit for this one. This player is on pace for nine goals this season. 19 assists. And 28 points. You do have one hint on this one if you'd like to take it. Or if you'd like to go for the, the hat trick on it. The natural hat trick on name that stat line. You can by trying to guess this player. Can you name that stat line on pace for 9 goals, 19 assists, and 28 points? Oh, 
I mean, I'm going to take a shot at it. Is it P.O. Joseph? It is not. Uh, it is not P.O. Joseph. I don't know what made me say that, but... It is a defenseman. Figured. That's... Because you said it's... How many goals? Nine. So he has, like, four right now. Not necessarily. Nah. <laughs> I'd said this is a little bit more of a hard one. The first couple, I, I knew there was, you know, there was a little chance that they would be too easy for you, so I I, I tossed you a curveball on this one. Um, you have two more guesses. Do you want your hint? No, it's Jeff Petrie. No, it is not Jeff Petrie. You have one Then, left. yes, I'd like the hint. <laughs> the hint is this player. Oh, this is going to give it away. This Probably. player was acquired this past offseason. I would have said Jeff Petrie again. Uh, <laughs> who else did we who else did we acquire this past off? Jan Ruda? It is not Jan Ruda. You got it incorrect. It On pace for Ty nine Smith? goals and twenty eight points this season is Ty Smith. Ah, because he hasn't played a lot. Because he has and one it's goal, the weird averages. One goal, three points in five games played. If he played the rest of the season at that pace, he'd finish with nine goals, twenty eight points. That's fair. Which yeah, is a pretty good season, averages, regardless. Yeah. Let alone for half of a season. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, just to go back into what we were talking about last segment, Ty Smith is as advertised. Yeah, and got to remember, we will be at the halfway mark of this season in between our back-to-backs. Yeah, after the game against Winnipeg. So everyone, get your takes ready. Yeah, and it, th- those two games are going to be interesting because Winnipeg, you know, yesterday was the first day that I really looked at standings across the league. Normally, I just check in on the Metropolitan and I X out of the standings whatsoever. But mm-hmm. Winnipeg is in second place in the Central Division right now. The Colorado Avalanche are in sixth. I know that they're facing injuries, but, like, what's the deal? Like, what Central's is going a, on? The Central is in a weird spot. Yeah. They're in a weird spot because they're being led by Dallas at 56 points, yeah. which is up there. That's that's a fair number. Um, but, I mean, Winnipeg wasn't supposed to be that great. Minnesota's doing good, especially after a cold start from Flurry. Yeah. St. Louis is in free fall they're, yet. They're in no man's fourth. land, aren't they? They're they're in a weird position because that's the same. They have yeah. Go ahead. Because they have huge names possibly getting traded. Those two huge names are injured right now. Uh, but also they've kind of hit a cold streak. But also Jordan Bennington can't make a damn save. Um, but they're also still kind of winning games they're winning enough to i believe be in a wild card spot um so st louis is in a very awkward situation they're just out of one mm-hmm. they're two points behind edmonton yeah for a wild card spot who by the way also yeah don't be shocked if edmonton misses connor guys. connor mcdavid's almost at the 82 point mark 40 games into the season and this team isn't even a playoff spot so if you if you're worried about the penguins at this moment in time at least you're not the, the Edmonton Oilers who are absolutely wasting one of the best players in the history of the league in their actual prime. Like we talk, we joke about Sidney Crosby's in his prime until he retires, but Connor McDavid is literally in his prime, ready to break records from like the nineties with scoring records. And, uh, and they're not in a playoff spot because Jack Campbell was an awful signing. <laughs> I watched, Goalies, I, was, I was watching that game last night. It was Edmonton and Anaheim. They brought up the starting goaltender statistics. It was Jack Campbell versus John Gibson. They're both in the 800s in save percentage. <laughs> and over 3.3 goals allowed per game. I was like, what is going on in How both of these cities? Up? Like, I know Anaheim's not good, but, you know. 
Yeah, that's what to say. But, jeez, it is it is strange. And like you mentioned, that might be the sabotage factor for your whole Ryan O'Reilly theory. If you haven't read about Horwath's Ryan O'Reilly theory, it's at InsideThePenguins.com. Obviously, it's about Ryan O'Reilly of the St. Louis Blues potentially being traded. Are they even sellers? Like, that's the problem right now is who's a buyer, who's a seller. That's where you have to get. We'll start getting into more trade deadline talk uh, as it approaches, as that is on March 3rd of 2023. Like we said, we'll talk about that. Uh, as it comes closer. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can always check us out on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. Make sure to like and subscribe there. You can download and subscribe on any podcasting platform you like and leave a review if you would. Five stars would be appreciated. Four stars, I'll take it. Three stars, just leave your opinion to yourself, okay? Uh, But that's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys next time.